0: X gonna give it to you, Slam. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4 powering up. Mark 17 powering up. Mark 44 powering up. Suits are online. Welcome to
1: House Party Power of Suits, and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today are two of the most awesome people in the entirety of the MCP community, nigh the world. And that would be Aaron from Web Warriors Protocol.
2: How are you doing? You're right.
1: Oh, doing well. And John, who's just John, and he's just awesome.
0: Mate, that is a great intro. I don't think I'm ever going to live that down now.
1: Well, I mean, now you just got to, to, you know, perform. You know, you, you, the, the bar's been set.
0: <laughs> I think it's been too high, but I will do what I can.
1: No, no, you got it. You got it. I believe in you. I know, I know the truth. So, anyways, gentlemen, thank you so much for being with me today. It's... Uh kind of, kind of a rocky start today. I overslept a little bit, and I thought I'd missed our recording time. So, you know, life is just going to come at you like that sometimes, but I really appreciate it. And um, I want to say, first of all, thank you to uh, all the suits out there for listening and everything. I really appreciate that. And we have a big packed show today. And the first thing we're going to talk about is Aaron, as most of y'all know, has been running his Web Warriors. I mean, he does do the Web Warrior Protocol, after all. But he's made some changes to his roster, had some new events lately. And uh, Aaron, you and John had a team event lately, right?
2: Um, So it was going to be a team event. However, just before it was set to go ahead, they changed it to a singles format just because the numbers were a little bit wonky. Uh, Um, it, it, It meant that we could get some more people involved, which was good. And, you know, it was still a great event anyway.
1: Okay, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. But uh, you made some changes to your roster, so I'm excited to talk about that a little bit because, you know, you were, uh, I don't know about a pioneer, but you were definitely on the, the forefront of throwing the Corvus Proxima and the Web Warriors thing, so I, uh, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. And then we also have some brand new X-Men characters to break down, and they gifted us with a nice little reveal today as well, so we'll talk about all of that in due time. But first up, Aaron let's talk about your roster because for a while it was kind of what it was and you've made some changes recently. Let's talk about what those changes are.
2: So um, with the new updates to the game and, you know, the way things have changed, um, I had a couple more slots opened up in terms of characters as well as tactics cards. So obviously, we all have two new tactics cards, but because I've been running the reality gem for the entirety of, you know, the time I've been playing MCP, um, other than that when I had ever more, I'd never had that 10th character slot. So with that opening up, I decided to go back and revisit a uh, model from the core box, as I'm sure many people have, and uh, adding the Invincible Iron Man to my team. Oh, yeah. Um, and that just was, was sort of because uh, bringing the threat of Helios laser Bombardment is a big deterrent for the opposing um, player to bring any big characters. But also because he really does suit the Web Warrior playstyle quite well as a free threat um, with the push on his builder and the inbuilt damage reduction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, given him so, that re-roll, it, I think, really takes his little bit of tankiness up pretty high. And with the power reduction to Friday AI, he's able to get that push off a lot easier, I think.
2: Yeah, w- once he's rolling the 6th off the, the push comes off almost every time. I don't know what the exact odds are, it's but like about 60%. it becomes really quite
1: reliable. Yeah,
2: cool. Um, so obviously, oh, we had another couple of spare tactics card slots. So the go-to for the first one was to put in Helios Laser Bombardment, which comes with Hulk Buster. It's a great tactics card, like I said. It's a huge deterrent for the opposing player to bring any hulks or Hulk Busters to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't remember if I actually used it during that event. Um, I think I used Iron Man, but I don't think I took Helios into the game just because I didn't really feel the need to be running it. Um, then in terms of other, crisis card, uh, other tactics card, sorry, I added patch up into my roster. Okay. Uh, I hadn't been running two restricted cards for the longest time. Before that, I used to have Bryce and then I dropped it. Um, so I added patch up just because I'll lean more into it in a minute with when I discuss the Hood. Uh, just because it really amplifies the tankiness. Yeah. So in a game where you only have a finite amount of health for a very few characters, being able to restore that is huge, and that combined with the fact that I'm already leaning into you know, having better defenses than anyone else means that I really get the value out of cards like patch up and medpack.
1: Yeah, so also is medpack your other restricted card? Yeah, so med packs my my oh, Okay. Board. Very um, cool. Um and then for my
2: 10th character, I've been running the Hood and the Hood is good. He's been really really great um using him.
1: Ah uh, dude, I really like Hood actually. Like I've been putting him on the table a lot myself. But what do you like about him so much especially in web warriors?
2: So, in web warriors, you ha- you have to sort of um I did a little article article about splash characters the other day. Very good,
1: by the way. I would advise everyone to go check that out.
2: Thank you. And um, so, obviously, with Web Warriors, you're looking to stack rerolls or damage reduction. Um, and also, there, there are a couple small gaps in what they're able to do. One of those gaps, for example, is mystic damage. So, um, the entirety of the Web Warrior affiliated characters, I think Moon Knight is the only model that has any access to mystic damage, which is on his spender. Yeah. So, the hood for me, first of all, brought in um, mystic attacks I didn't have to pay for So if I come up against a model Like say Carnage Or um, Any other model with low Mystic defences It meant that I had an, Not an answer but I had something that I could put a lot of pressure on with The second thing that really Made me like the Hood was his healing mechanic So yeah. for those that don't know Hood has a, super ca- a superpower called Black Art, And I can't um, Tell you the exact wording But the basic gist of it is That hood can spend free power to choose a friendly character within range three. That character removes free damage, but then gains a bleed condition. So this was a huge selling point for me as I've been leaning more into the tanky side of Web Warriors. Um, Just as an example, I played a game recently where Hood had healed across the game. I think it was eleven damage, which is huge. Do you know what I mean? That's that's like half a hunk or two. Two smaller characters. Yeah, no, that's um, wonderful. Literally just finished playing a game where I had med pack, patch up and the hood. And I think Gwen across the game took 14 damage and still wasn't dazed. Wow. Just Man. because it it's so hard to put her down once you've got all that put in.
1: Yeah, wow. So let me ask you, you're talking about leaning into the healing and, and that kind of stuff. Do you find it that sometimes you have to sacrifice a quote-unquote better play to get the healing in when you feel like someone's about to go down, or do you feel like that that's always the optimal play is to keep your people up?
2: Um, I'd imagine there's a couple of scenarios where it's not the very most optimal play. However, there are very few occasions that I can think of where healing, um, healing a model and allowing them to stay in the game longer isn't going to be a good play. I mean... There's a couple of times where, um, for example, I could attack somebody yeah. and maybe die them or I could move and heal somebody. But the the fact the fact is, at the end of the day, that if I'm attacking someone, I'm risking, you know, ra- rolling dice. The heal's guaranteed. I know what it does. And I- if I've got the power to do it, it's great. So I-, I really like it. I think Hood's healing combined with his Rapid Fire mystics is just phenomenal.
1: Nice. Yeah, I mean, I think Hood is is pretty awesome in a lot of ways i think he's one of those characters that is just for the healing aspect of what he does is really great but also with the way he can kind of go from a support character to a damage character is just so cool
2: that's another thing i was about to get onto so um the last thing on his regular side before i talk about hood possessed is invisibility cloak which is phenomenal when combined with a reroll. So what that does is it means whenever you're defending or dodging, you can spend two parties, your mystic defense instead, which is free, um, and you count blanks as successes. So combine that with the rerolls and you're be really very, very tanky for a little free threat model with five health, you know, because most of the time you'll be blocking two, if not three, out of your free defense dice or dodge dots, just because of the, the reroll and, and the blanks combined.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's a surprisingly tanky boy, and then you flip him over, and whew.
2: Yeah, and a- another great thing that I found as well is because the way that you flip over to being possessed is when you take damage. The web warrior reroll lets you sort of choose in some situations where you might not have had the opportunity. For example, if the opponent uh, has a bad roll and rolls one success and you roll one block, then actually, you know, there's a couple of times where you'll go, cool, I'm going to re-roll it with my Epoiria re-roll in order to take the damage and then transform. Yep. Which, you know, is, is a really solid play for some of the shenanigans you can do with his place. For example, um, Hood and Gwen were both targeted in a beam attack the other day. Oh, nice. Um, and I think it was H- the new Hulk's Thunderclap. And Hulk only did one success into the Hood, and I went, you know what, actually, I'm going to re-roll my defense. And my opponent seemed a bit confused. Um, I took the damage, and then what I was able to do is go cool. So now I'm going to transform the hood and place him in front of Gwen, so now you won't be able to throw anything at Gwen to finish her off, which was, you know, a great play that was really annoying for my opponent.
1: Interesting, yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. That's that's really good. So it's interesting that you say re-roll the success to, to get to where you can take that damage. I've done that a couple of times with hood and it's every time it's like, what are you doing? You know, you got a block there. I'm like, yeah, I know, but yeah. uh, it's cause I'm going to do something really cool. Just watch. <laughs>
2: you know what the dice mean, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Trust me.
1: I've got this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny. Cause it's like, once you flip Hood over and you put the demon out there, and it's like, yeah, you know, hopefully the dice go well here because if the dice go good here, well then this is gonna be a really cool move. If they go terrible, well then I messed up, but whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Hood possessed just quickly as well. Yeah, he's a novel, phenomenal toolkit. Like you said, he goes from support bit, support kit to um, damage dealer. Um, empowered Dark Lightning is a phenomenal attack.
1: It's amazing.
2: So it's um, it's it's great. I played against Sam's Fan the other day. And because, obviously, you don't want to trigger the leadership, I'd been working to try and slowly get characters down to low health, and I think I had Sam with one health left, Hulk with two health left, and Vision stood in the middle of them. Uh And I had had priority, went with the Hood Possessed, He went cool. Empowered Dark Lightning into Vision. The base attack killed Vision, and then I got two wilds, so I killed Hulk and died Sam as well.
1: That's awesome. And it was just
2: like wow, that's a 3 fret character taking out 13 fret of opposing models. It was bonkers.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's interesting that you talk about Sam Spam and, and kind of that strategy. And and it's kind of a strategy I employ as well, is kind of get them low and then try to daze a couple of them a turn. Yeah, with know. a throw
2: or something's ideal.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we're talking about Hood right now and talking about his possessed side and this empowered Dark Lightning. And it's one of the things, when I first looked at this character and when I first kind of started playing him initially i was like man once you get onto the to the demon side you don't want to leave the demon side but then i was like man actually a little empowered dark lightning and then you get switched back over to hood normal and then you can build up some more power with your with your builder to heal yeah. somebody like this this is a good little little turn it's, of it's events same. here he, he's honestly
2: oh, i think he's incredible i oh, really write him when he first come out i did an article called the hood the bad and the old player and um you know, I looked at his toolkit and went, "Wow, he's got some really interesting things." I think he's going to be really good, but then I wasn't able to pick up his character pack straight away. Yeah. Uh, and then after recently managing to get hold of it, I've I've used Hood in almost every game since then. He's just absolutely great, especially when going wide with Web Warriors.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's really really good, and and he's one of those characters that there's a lot going on, and once you kind of figure out where to. Start using him and and where to kind of maximize those activations with him. I think he gets to be a pretty interesting character, and you know, as a character that I think is really good it's also I've had those games where he doesn't really do anything; just it just happens, you know. Yeah. Definitely. And how have you found like giving the bleed condition out to people when when you're healing them? So like, let's use your Gwen example. Maybe not that exact situation, but like, okay, so she's over there; she's hurt and if she's activated, you heal her up, she gets the bleed condition It's not that big of a deal. But what if it's someone that hasn't activated? Do you feel like giving them that bleed condition can end up being more of a detriment? So I don't know if it necessarily ends up being more of a
2: detriment. What I've had is I've started to look at it in the sense that I'm healing them for two and taking... So so because I'm giving them bleed, I'm healing them for, for two damage because they're going to take another one from the bleed. Because right. it's very rare that I'm going to be actually... Investor in action to shake that. As I've said with the web warriors, with the rerolls combined, if you look at a character like Miles, it's always worth it, I think. And again, it's it's about removing the randomness. You it it becomes a controlled situation where you know you're going to take one damage and you know when you're going to take it, rather than a situation where you sat sat with a model with one or two health left, going, okay, they could they could just be dies by a throw. Um, it's definitely problematic in the sense that you know it is damage inevitably but i think planning ahead and making sure you put it on the right targets most of the time it'll be fine there's, there's a couple of times where i've healed someone then they've taken some more damage and then the bleed has left them with one health after that but i don't i don't think i've had a situation where it's been really bad i think my opponent could definitely look at model and go cool I only actually need to do four damage rather than five because then they're in a situation where they have to shake the bleed or they die. But in that situation, then you can weigh up the odds of okay, maybe I do shake the bleed this time. So it's it's definitely something to bear in mind. You definitely have to think about it. But as I said, I don't think it it's that bad that it's going to cripple you every time you do it. I think there'll be a couple of times where you do it and you know it might come back and bite you. But other than that, you, it's pretty sound most of the time.
1: Nice and. John, have you played into this this new iteration of Never Die Spider People?
0: I've not played into this new iteration of Never Die Spider People. Um, you've just seen it, I've haven't you? I've just seen it several times and looked at it and gone, yeah, that doesn't look all that fun to play against. <laughs> I mean, watching Hood just, you've got like seven or eight power. So he was like, well, there's three healed off Gwen. There's three healed off Moon Knight. Then he was doing a rapid fire. Then he triggered and took out Luke Cage with empowered power Dark Lightning. Yeah. And then he went, oh, and now I'll take this point. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. Yeah, it's really good.
1: <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> wild. That's wild. So tell us, uh, so you've added Hood in and you take him nearly every time, right? So so before, I think it was Venom, Gwen, Miles, Corvus Proxima were kind of like your core team. Yeah. and. And what is your kind of core squad looking like now? So my core
2: team now varies a lot, which I think is quite good because the problem I'd had is it wasn't really a problem, but I was going to events and people sort of knew what I was going to play each rep value. So I did shake it up a little bit. I've been, um, I think, with Sam Spam. The key to beating them is trying to match them on numbers. So if I'm playing Sam Spam, for example, when I play my friend Elliot, then I'll, I'll, I'm leaning more towards going six wide with the Web Warriors which will Ooh. be Miles, Gwen, Black Cat, Moon Knight, uh, Toad, and then either Venom if the points allow it, or um, another free threat, such as Iron Man or Hood. If I'm playing at a high threat value, like 20, then I'll probably be looking at a combination of Web Warriors with Corvus Proxima still. Um, got you. At very low threat values, I might splash in Corvus on his own, and then anything in between, I just tend to vary between the different types of builds just so that it's got some variance and I'm getting a lot of reps with all of the characters now, which is great.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's nice to be able to get those other reps in there and, and get used to the other characters and whatnot. And have you found any characters that you're not using very often that you might switch out at some point? Um, No, to be honest, because my entire roster, I'm,
2: I'm using it. I mean, the models that I'm using the least at the minute are actually now Corvus and Proxima, but I think that's due to the shift in the meta. So, just because I'm coming up against a lot of wide lists, my um, preference when going against that is to match them going wide as well, which Corvus doesn't necessarily allow for. Right. But there, there isn't any models in my roster I think I wouldn't, uh, I'd take out or don't use at all because I'm using them all and they're all great in my opinion.
1: That's an interesting way that uh, to think about it. I like that. And... You mentioned that matching SAMSPAN with going wide is kind of a, a strategy that and I agree with you. I think that matching the the Sam list with as close to as many activations as they're gonna have is a really good strategy. It's a sound strategy. But I think it's a really good strategy for Web Warriors. I don't think it's necessarily the strategy I would employ for other teams. Would you find that kind of the same thing? And and John, I want to bring you in here on this in terms of like playing X-Men against Sam Span. What do y'all think of that?
0: I wouldn't want to try and match on activations. I think if I try and match on activations against Sam Spam, I'm going to struggle. My list, my list in particular, would struggle because it is mainly just affiliated X-Men. But if I'm trying to match on activations and having to go up and secure points and stuff, somebody like Storm has got to go in towards the center at some point. And against some of the Sam Spam characters, like War Machine or something like that, she's going to fall over. Beast is going to suffer with his poor energy defense. I'm going to look to go slightly taller against them and just hope I can leverage first class and do some damage over time with X-Men. I am definitely not looking to match activations.
1: Yeah, I gotcha. (laughs) I gotcha. Aaron, do you think that there's other squads that probably don't want to try that kind of match, you know, model for model?
2: I do think that it is something that Web Warriors have a bit of an exclusive access to matching SamSpan for models. Just purely because one of the main strengths of SamSpan is that due to the fact Avengers is such a wide affiliation in terms of the number of models they have. They have access to so many great three-threats and two-threats that you're not really... um, losing out while going wide. Whereas if you look at some other affiliations, like say the X-Men, for example, mm-hmm. you can go wide, but then you end up in an awkward position where you have a model like Storm, like John said, that isn't very versatile in the role that she plays yeah. on the table. Web Warriors, however, right. especially with Black Cat and Moon Knight now have access to this really wide, versatile team that is really low threat value. Because previously, Venom was an auto-include in a Web Warrior roster who was amazing and, you know, you didn't have that many options. Black Cat and Moon Knight are both great, and they're great on almost any mission. You know, even Mm -hmm. if Black Cat isn't stealing objectives, if you come against a tall roster, um, the stagger is huge. You know, it can be game leveraging. So, I do think it is something that, luckily, Web Warriors have a little bit of exclusive access to, as I've said. Um, The X Men, I generally don't think, as John said at the minute, want to go wide. No. Just due to the current character um, choices that they have access to. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any other rosters really where they do in the same sense as Web Warriors. Defenders arguably can go wide. The problem is then you're either playing unaffiliated or you might as well be playing Avengers yourself anyway.
1: Right. I think so, the other one would be Guardians. Guardians can, yeah. can kind of match that, but they play a little bit of a different game. I think
0: Sin Cabal can potentially get there, but again, it's not the same kind of way of playing it. That leadership is a little bit awkward and requires some solid work, but they've got the models to do
1: it, and they've got the points
0: to do it. I just don't think it does it as well.
1: I can agree there.
2: Um, As you said about Guardians, I keep forgetting that they're now a thing. Yeah, but I I keep forgetting they're now a a commonly seen. (laughs) I think, yeah, they definitely can match them for activations. I don't... I'm going to be honest, I don't feel I've seen enough games played with Guardians to know whether those activations aren't necessarily the same quality as the ones that Sam brings to the table. But I think with with a, a good pilot behind them, you know, a solid roster, some solid tactics cards, the Guardians could definitely give Sam a run for the money whilst going wide as well.
1: Nice, yeah, I think so too. So, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with your current roster and how the tournament went?
2: So, um, there were two tournaments, as I said. There was the one that was meant to be a team event that wasn't. And then there was the one that we had at Asgard. Um, One thing I did want to mention is I lost a game at the one that was meant to be a team tournament.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah, that's my my second tournament loss. I was absolutely devastated. It was an incredible game. It was against a friend of mine, Ron. Um, But what it was, he he was playing Spider-Foes, which obviously we haven't seen a lot previously. Yeah. And it came down to the last turn. The score was 15-9 to me. So I thought, I've won this, I'm I'm fine. And a well-laid plans made me drop off my objectives, which meant I didn't get to 16. And he was just about able to scrape and grab them and go to 16. Ah. So I took Spider-Infected out of my roster. Um, It's been in there for quite a while now. But I think with certain teams like Spider-Foes and... Um, guardians now that again can go quite wide as well. I don't sort of have the, the exclusive benefit of just being the only one going wide on the table, so I've yeah. actually taken that out for Montesi formula just so that I have some control over the speed of the mission being scored. If that makes sense,
1: yeah, no, it does.
2: And I think, um, I think although the changes to crisis selection when playing are overall beneficial, I do think that sadly. Now there are situations where instead of first turn plays, you have very bad crisis matchups. For example, I have um, demons in Morasta. I've always had it in Morasta, um, and I played against a Brotherhood list earlier, and I think he had um, as his extract. It was a single extract. I think it was scroll or something, which meant it was an extreme brawl in the minute in yeah. the middle of the board. And that one particular game that I lost um, against the Spider-Foes, it was Spider-Portals and Spider-Infected. So it was a very wide mission, very all over the place, all over the board. Yeah. So I think I've, I've swapped it out for Montessi Formula. Um, it just gives me a little bit more control over the scoring of the mission, sort of the pace of the mission. Um, the fewer extracts is ideal for me because I have some really great objective runners that can get one, and then it's sort of just their job to protect it. And then the other thing on top of that is... Uh, as far as I'm aware, all webs up benefits the attack that you get from the beams. Just because of how it interacts, there's nothing saying that you can't add any additional doors to it. So if a web warrior is holding one of the Montesi books, uh, they can actually boost that up to an eight-dose beam attack, which is obviously very good if oh, you can yeah. catch some people out. Like...
1: Oh yeah, that's that's some spiciness right there. I hadn't even thought about using Montessi, but now that you said that, I'm like, ooh, I need to try this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's definitely a good good um combination i'd had it when it first came out because i, I bought ghost rider four demons down uh not ghost rider sorry uh was it doctor strange? strange yeah i bought doctor strange specifically for montessi formula to try it out and then i took it out of my just because i was um preferring to play spider infected at the time and i think now however though with cards like well laid plans and wider teams and you know people splashing Black Cat, taking a, f- a few less extract points means that I still um, have a lot more control over it. And um, what a lot of people would say as well is, because I've seen some discussion around the fact that people are taking extracts where there isn't an odd number. Um, I don't know if you've seen anything about that, Will, but just to stop, if the opponent has priority, the opponent has a benefit of them moving up and grabbing the middle one. But right. again, I feel like I can mitigate this with more Black cats, so I'm not too worried about that.
1: Well, and by by mitigating that, you mean like she can go up and steal? Is that what you're referring to?
2: Yeah. So I, I can I have the counterplay. Yeah, I'm pro, I, I might take a um, a VP drop on the first turn, and they'll obviously have one more than me. But I feel I can set up to take it back on the second turn. And yeah. what it actually does sometimes, quite ironically, it's like a fly going into a spider's trap. Um, if somebody runs up to take the middle point, say a Montesi or a spider infected that can put them in a position where Gwen and Venom are going to move forward and pull yeah. them in and suddenly they've lost a character round to
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've done the same thing. Um, it's it, I kind of have grown as a player a lot over the last little while and it's one of those things where if somebody moves up to that middle and I've got Gwen or Venom in a position to go and reel them in, oh, it's happening.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there's nothing more scary for an opponent when their objective runner, like Toad or oh, Quicksilver, suddenly gets lashed in by Venom and can't use any re-rolls on the defense, and they're just getting beaten up by the Symbian.
1: Exactly. Yep, I love it so much. And uh, it's it's interesting that you're talking about kind of the, uh, the the way to think about objectives because, you know, the conventional wisdom, quote-unquote, with Web Warriors is, oh, you know, be on the D-shape, you want to play secures, be, you know, run around, on the on the d-shaped secures and while i love that strategy like it's it's one that i employ and it's one that we talk about a lot but we don't talk about why it's good and simply put it's because you have the mobility to get between them easily whereas a lot of other teams don't that's that's the only thing that makes it good and anyways when you're talking about extracts like i've i had spider infected in my list for a while too and i didn't really like how it was playing so i put it in uh, put in cube fragments instead but i think i might do the montessi formula thing but my thing is is i like the games that can score fast and why do you like the slower scoring games there i think that's really interesting so it it, it, it was sort of that situation where
2: um were, it swung from me being 15 9 up to 16 15 to my opponent so just not allowing those crazy situations where You know, some bonkers where you can't really plan around it. Some bonkers dice, open up an opportunity like that. So the slower scoring for me, mainly just means that if I have a a, lot, you know, a solid plan, that suddenly goes really wrong due to a lot of bad dice or some spikes or something I didn't see coming, I might not be penalised as much because my partner might not necessarily be then scoring five points. They, they might still only be scoring three. So it just stops up really swingy, dicey situations.
1: I got you, yeah. John, what about you? Do you like the kind of slower scoring or the faster scoring uh, crises? Uh,
0: I prefer a slower score. I don't like five extracts. Um, I don't like sticking somebody in the centre if I have priority to try and take that extract, allowing knowing that somebody's got a couple of activations to maybe take them down and then take it off me. Um, yeah. I do prefer the slower scores because it gives me an opportunity to try and get out early and then just kind of grind it out with some X-Men from a range. Um, the fast score, I played the weekend uh, against Midnight Suns. I had a bit of a swingy turn three where it went against me. I had a bit of an issue with Cyclops. I'd forgotten blind obsession somebody. And he went down after two attacks in the Siege of Darkness because I'd rolled six less defense dice. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but it happens. Um, So then the turn swung the other way, and they were up by, like, five points because they took, like, all the extracts off somebody else because they'd managed to field-dress in Ghost Rider who came back and took out a couple of characters, and it was... It, that's kind of the reason I avoid high scoring. I don't like that whole, Oh, something went slightly wrong. I mean, this time it was my fault, but something went wrong. And I'm going now six points down. and I'm not sure I've got the tools in my roster to get back from six points. Right. So I, I do try and keep it slower scoring. So as I can try and manage that.
1: That makes sense. I get that. I get that. So, Overall, though, it sounds like these events were uh, pretty fun and exciting. And Aaron, it sounds like you're learning some new stuff about your roster all the time.
2: Yeah, that, that's the main thing. Look, I don't, I don't think it's worth getting stuck in the way and thinking, oh, this is the roster. You know, this it's done. I know what it does. I don't need to improve it. I think it's always worth looking at different options and things that you can change around and different things you can try. You know, and uh, oh yeah, what you can change up to improve or play differently because. One roster is never going to be the best roster due to the fact that the game is constantly changing. So my roster, uh, when I first got into the game, obviously now I might not hold up and that's Not because it's a bad roster, but it's because the game's in a different state to what it previously was.
1: Exactly. So speaking of the game never, be, uh, never being previously what it was, let's now talk about these new X-Men characters. And first up, we have got to talk about this brand new reveal we got and I think it came through on Twitter and basically it's just, we're getting an X-23 and a Honey Badger.
0: We are indeed and I couldn't be happier.
1: Yeah, it's I'm super excited for this. I think it's a really cool character and I looked at the card pack on the Atomic Mask Games website and it said that um, you're getting something called jonathan the unstoppable as a card and then getting a card called the wolverines and that sounds really exciting because like okay maybe another tactics card that makes regular wolverine be cool you know
0: i could do with another tactics card to make regular wolverine be cool and jonathan the unstoppable had me excited because i'm not sure what they're gonna do with a pet honey badger as a card so we'll see what happens with that i guess oh is that what jonathan is yeah
1: yeah (laughs) yes so i'm really excited for this i think this is going to be something wild and this pack looks cool these models look pretty cool I i will say that i'm i'm just the teensiest and i mean teensiest tiniest bit disappointed that x23 doesn't have like one of her toe claws coming out
0: yeah, I saw that and I was a little bit disappointed. She also looks like a more dangerous Shuri placement on that base with her leaning so far forward on a tactical <laughs> rock. I was a little bit like, oh, God, no. But the model itself looks cool. I just might have to find a way to repose it, I think, so it doesn't break every time I try and take it somewhere.
1: Yes, probably a good idea. Yeah, it looks, looks like a, a Quicksilver lean there, like some serious gangster lean going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks good, but there is some seriously <laughs> Yeah,
1: exactly. So, next up, boys, we're going to talk about Colossus. And I kind of put off talking about Colossus when he was first revealed because we we wanted to I wanted to have you guys on here for this. And I'm really excited about this character, but first things first, let's talk about this model and I've got to say, I like this model a lot. I don't love the, like, hand, you know, him holding the the giant sentinel fist thing. I don't love that, but I, I don't hate it either. You know what I mean? Like, it's just okay. But I think the rest of the model looks cool. And maybe you go without the hand. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think the model looks kind of cool. Um, I think I want to see it in the flesh before I make a decision on what to do with the hand. I don't mind that he's got a sentinel hand. I'm just not sure how much of his face and stuff it potentially obscures
1: that's my thing Um,
0: yeah but maybe i can repose it there's nothing to stop me taking the central hand off at the wrist and maybe turning it up the other way so as it's not covering so much of his face i don't know but i think as a general model it does look solid
1: yeah and you said see it in the flesh you mean see it in the organic steel get it
0: right well obviously just speaking yeah. into it <laughs> what if you not going to do not painting flesh color. oh god that'd be so
1: weird like he hasn't yet still <laughs> up.
0: that'd
1: be <laughs> so weird or or like like his legs are, are regular cut co- like flesh color and then you paint him up to where he's right. like mid transformation
0: yeah yeah i mean his legs in those almost thigh high boots have obviously got to be the bit of flesh colored
1: obviously Obviously. People are going to
2: do that though, aren't they? because we saw it with Mystique. We saw it with Thanos as well. The Thanos, Thanos yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's so weird.
1: <laughs> uh, Aaron, what do you think of
2: this model? I really like it. I'm not a fan of the Sentinel hand. That's purely because I don't like the idea of I know it sounds weird. I don't like the idea of people holding things on a model just because it sort of limits what you do with the base, I think. I mean, this isn't an issue for lots of people, but, you know, if, if say, for example, you, you've got a roster that is, um, I don't know, the Midnight Suns, and you've decided to do all your bases in a really cool, demonic way, you know, you've really lent into the, the hands coming out from the abyss, like on Blade base. Uh-huh. It's just going to look a bit weird if Colossus is <laughs> stood there with this huge Sentinel arm, and I just don't really think... It works and it'll. I just, I just don't think it'll look right in certain roster sadly. It's sort of like Black Panther, uh, not Black Panther, Killmonger's Panther that he stood on. Yeah. It just looks so strange and out of place and it really limits what you do, I think.
1: You mean you don't have a marble st- Panther statue on the street where you're from? No, I, I don't personally. <laughs> I have not seen that. I don't
0: know about you. That's like the equivalent of a 1980s boombox, though, and it killmonger yeah, carries around his, min- his small little panther. It's a Bluetooth speaker. He puts it down. Yeah, and
2: there it you go. Yeah, he plays his own theme tune as he goes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it.
1: right. The killmonger theme is coming. There you go. <laughs> so, let's start now talking about this card for our Colossus model here, and. John, you want to take the top stat line? Aaron, you take attacks. I'll take superpowers. That sounds good to me. Let's go for so, it.
0: So, top stat line on Colossus, Peter Rasputin. We have a HP of 6, a small move. Are you he sure it's not range
1: 5 move? <laughs> <laughs> Say it sorry? Are you sure that's not range 5 move?
0: I'm pretty sure that's not range 5 move. <laughs> have <you> seen it? <laughs> I know I know. it looks like a 5, but I'm assuming it's a small
1: yeah, it's a small, but it's, it's like the meme going around that it's 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 just funny to me.
0: If I can move in range five, I'm going to be an even happier buddy. So uh, we'll go with range five. It would be so funny. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, so three, threat four, which is good because I know previously we'd had a conversation about whether he was going to be a five or a four, and I'd praise to any kind of model god that he was a four, so I'm happy with that. We've got a physical defense of four an energy defense of three, and a mystic defense of three.
1: Okay, so pretty decent little stat line there. I like that he's a size three character because then that turns off certain throws and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be important when we look at the rest of his card in terms of what he can do and how he does some of his stuff. I think had he been size two, it'd have been too viable for just some basic pushes, some standard attack move around. It might have been more difficult to get him to do what you want him to do. Um, his defense is solid. They make perfect sense. That four physical is good. Um, I'd have liked a similar one on energy, but I can understand the three, so I'll take it. And at least he hasn't suffered from, like, a really reduced mystic defense. So he should be okay across the board, I think.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, th- I think it's a solid little... You know, it's a, it's a stat line we've seen before, but a decent one. So I'm yeah. not too upset by it.
2: Just quickly, Will, um, something I wanted to mention sort of in regards to his basic stats as such. It isn't necessarily a stat on his card, but I think it's important to know when you get an affiliated X-Men character what size base they are on. Oh,
1: yeah, Just definitely. because of
2: leadership. So Colossus is coming in on the venom size base, isn't he? Which is a 50mm base. Yep, 50mm base. Which means you'll be able to leverage a little bit more movement and a couple more shenanigans out of uh, Storm's flipping leadership. Quite literally flipping. <laughs>
1: Yeah, which I think is really good, especially for a character that moves short or range five or short or range five.
2: Yeah, we're going to assume, I think, that it's short. It is. It's definitely short. It's just I'm never going to not
1: make this joke because it's too good. (laughs) (laughs) So next up, uh, Aaron, you want to talk about attacks?
2: Yeah, so his basic strike is called strike. It's a range two. Five dice physical attack that doesn't cost any power to use. Uh, after the attack is resolved, Colossus gains power equal to the damage dealt, and it has the special concussive force. So, on the trigger of a wild, after this attack is resolved, the target character loses one power. So, it isn't quite sap power because Colossus isn't gaining it himself, but nevertheless, you're still taking the power away from your opponent.
1: I really like that. Being able to affect their their power generation, I think, is just a good thing.
0: Yeah, it's really nice that it's on Colossus's builder because, I mean, the X-Men have seen it before on Cyclops, but it's on his beam. So you're kind of rolling seven dice on yeah. beam and then you go, oh, well, now you lose one power for I roll a wild. But you, ideally, you're giving them a ton of power from damage anyway, so I think it will be nicer on a strike with Colossus.
1: Completely yeah, I think The important
2: thing here is that um, there will be situations where you hit a character and you don't do any damage, but they're losing power and, yeah. you know, you, you still get that little bonus And I think we've seen it on Hulkbuster's strike as well. It actually does something even if you don't do any damage. It's it's a little different there because what happens is you get a minimum of one power. But again, it's the fact that you still get rewarded in a slight way even if you don't necessarily smash face and do damage.
1: Yeah, and I like how the wording on this is after the attack is resolved because that means... Let's say you did just a very minimal amount of damage like let's say it was a bad roll, but also a bad defense roll You only roll a wild they only take one damage. Well now you've gotten your power But you've also prevented them from getting that power
2: Definitely yeah. because if they say somehow didn't have any power to start with as well If exactly. it was before damage, then they wouldn't be losing out. But now the, the situation means You know if you do do damage they they do lose power It's exactly. um, a really nice little word in,
1: I'm used to do doing damage, let me tell you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I realized that one after I'd said it.
1: <laughs> you were hoping so, I wouldn't notice.
2: Yeah, I was, I was here with John, like, ooh, maybe he's going to say something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so, what's, so his, what's his next
2: attack? So his, his only other attack is X-Slam. This is what we'd call a spender attack. Um, it is a range two seven-dice physical attack. It does cost you three power. However, it comes with a couple of special rules. The first is automatic stun. So after this attack is resolved, the target character gains a stun special condition. And the second special rule, which is sort of the one you'll be uh, aiming for a lot more often, is stagger. So if you get at least one world in your attack roll, after this attack is resolved, the target character gains the stagger special condition, which is huge, you know. Um, I've recently been having a lot of conversations about action economy, you know, and oh, yeah. uh, the strength of attacks like rapid fo- that have rapid fire so stagger removing one of your opponent's actions is absolutely huge and with seven dollars you're pretty likely to get it
1: oh yeah no that's uh it's pretty good odds there especially when you are considering the crits exploding and all that stuff so that's really nice you you should get it like 90 percent of the time i think yeah and let's go ahead and talk about the stun real quick because i don't want to overshadow that condition either because stun is one of those conditions that we've seen on characters like nebula and uh so many others like there, there. are i don't remember all the other ones right now but nebula stands out as a character that gets really good access to stun but it's a condition that when you would gain power if you're going to gain four power you only gain one instead and it's a really nice condition that really messes with characters that rely on their power generation and like I've been playing a lot of Convocation lately, and I swear, if you stun the New Strange, oof, you just turn him right off.
2: Yeah, so I think it would have been amazing if this was similar to Mystique's attack in the sense that it dealt stun before damage was dealt, because that would be absolutely brutal. But I think, as you said, just giving it out guaranteed in general is going to be really quite powerful against characters that would normally guarantee, um, would normally generate X amount of power return for sure, instead of producing one.
1: And, and just in general, like, it's, it's such a potent condition that I don't think we see people lean into a lot, but, like, once you've, once you've been on the receiving end of it, it's, uh, it's pretty potent. And one of the things that I really like about the attack suite that we've got here on Colossus is I'm incentivized, I feel like, to use both. Like, I don't feel like that there's any reason why I wouldn't want to use X-Slam at certain times like when I have the power to do so. I mean, we have these superpowers we're going to talk about here in just a second, but I feel like a lot of times we see these characters where it's like, ah, oh, man, I just I don't want to use the spender because I've got this other stuff I would rather do, but I think that X-Slam is a spender that I could see myself wanting to try to use regularly. John, do you feel the same way?
0: Yeah, I think X-Slam is a solid move. I think if you're within range two, which you've got to be for Colossus to do any kind of damage anyway, and you've got the power, I think the benefits outweigh potentially having to spend that power, whereas a lot of spenders, you look at it and you go, well, actually, I can do better things with it. I can do a throw, I can do a hit-and-run, I can do some other stuff. Colossus isn't that expensive for what you get, and I think it's well worth going, actually, I'll spend the three. Or potentially, I'll spend a little bit less if Cyclops now becomes slightly more viable as a leader. Yeah. So maybe it won't even cost me the three.
1: Yeah. I mean, you shoot. You could get it for free. That'd be nasty.
2: I, th- I think, as John's just said, um, although we've not seen it so far, with a lot more X-Men characters coming out, we might see Cyclops as a leader. I, d- I don't know if it's viable because it is still quite a weak leadership, but the fact that you'd essentially be possibly giving st- uh, a stagger out for one power is huge. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's definitely going to be interesting because if you combine that with other characters, like, say, you slot in Black Cat, you know, Black Cat and Colossus then basically have the ability to give out Stagger for one power on an attack. It's it's very good. It's going to be um, really interesting to see.
1: Absolutely. And just uh, the last little note about this attack. Seven dice is the sweet spot for me because anytime I start rolling more dice than that, that's when things get a little weird and I roll those like, oh, I'm going to roll ten dice. Blanks, skulls, all over the place. But seven dice, yeah, that's the sweet spot for me, so I'm here for it.
2: Yeah, I think it, it's just worth mentioning as well. What's quite interesting here is if you look at um, the entirety of the characters that we've had released really so far, I think it would be safe to say that normally an attack like this with seven dice, you know, um, a trigger on the wall and an inbuilt special rule, normally you'd be looking at paying four or even five power for this. Oh, yeah. but I don't know this, if this is a change in the sort of um, uh, rules, writing direction, design direction or what, but I think it is good that they... As you said, have made a situation where you're going to be when the utility and options to use both the spender and the builder because they're now both viable. They're both really good.
1: Exactly. So let's now talk about his superpowers because I think that his attacks are are solid. They're both range two and he sh- he moves short, and so I, I don't love that. But let's let's dive into the superpowers and see what else we're dealing with here. So. First superpower is an active superpower, so you have to use it on your turn. It'll cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size three or less, and within range two, and throw it medium. The superpower can be used only once per turn. So he's got a medium size three terrain throw. Uh, I like that it's medium. I wish that it was characters.
0: I like that it's medium. I think characters would be amazing. Um, I will take throws within X-Men. We don't have access to a lot of throws. I mean, we don't have access to a lot of character throws, so as you say, that would have been much better. Um, but any time I can get a throw, I'll take a throw. Absolutely. It's just that extra damage if your dice don't go the way you're after. I think they're always useful.
1: I completely agree. I think it's, I this is great. Just that he has it on here. I mean, like, if he didn't have a throw, it'd be weird.
0: Yeah, Colossus with no throw. I know the one we were all after vision on there, but we know it's coming on a tactics card, so I'm okay with it. So if he hadn't got another throw besides fastball special, it would be odd.
1: It would be odd, which we'll talk about that in a minute. Next superpower here is a reactive superpower, so you can use it when the trigger happens, and it's going to cost you two power, Big Brother. When an allied character within range two of this character is targeted by an attack, there's your trigger, this character may use this superpower. This character becomes the target of the attack, regardless of range and line of sight. So he's got bodyguard. Perfect.
2: I think this is a really useful little bit of um, kit to have now in the X-Men. Just because of the general nature of some of the characters, such as, you know, Storm or Domino or Cyclops. A lot of them want to sort of skirt around the opponent's models and and take damage from a distance. And... The fact that you now don't have to worry about someone going, you know what? I'm gonna run over and just beat Storm up because Ooh. Colossus just goes, ha, no. And you're suddenly <laughs> fighting the big steel giant, do you know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think that this is also like one of these like incredibly thematic things. It's a simple thing that he has he has bodyguard, but it's also really yeah. thematic because in the comics when he's not got the gem of Sidorak like that, you know, Avengers versus X-Men time when he had that. It, when he's not doing that, like he really is much more of a defensive character than an offensive character, which I find to be very interesting.
2: Yeah, he it, it, it does act as a big brother to a lot of the X Men characters, you know. So I think it's absolutely perfect that he's got this superpower. And as I said, I think, as well, from a gameplay perspective, it also brings something that the X Men needed and that they're going to find a lot of use from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then once we get magic in the game, he's they're going to be tied to the hip, I promise. <laughs> so, I
0: think just thematically, that's going to be amazing, not to mention the things they could potentially do on the tabletop together.
1: Exactly. So, I love this superpower. Next up, we have another reactive superpower, and I'm going to butcher the name of this, but it's reactive superpower, it's going to cost you two power. Bose moi Bose moi I don't know how you say uh, it. Is it, I think it's, is it bouge moi? That, that's bouge what said. I mean, it's moi is a, is a French term for me, you know, moi, you know, like. I'm, I do
2: completely different.
1: If that was me trying to pronounce that, I'd have gone bozé moi. <laughs>
2: so yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you meant to say
1: it. So, so anyone out there that speaks Russian and knows how to say this. <laughs> Please send me a message because I just really want to know because I want to yell it out at the tabletop when I do it. And I don't want to sound like a complete idiot like I'd normally do.
0: You know. If anybody will a message, please send it in text format so as you still can't work it exactly. out. <laughs>
1: exactly. a voice message. Yes, do not send me a voice message. Just, you know, just, yeah, you say it like, and then exactly spell out this word. <laughs> I could see someone doing that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd be great. But no, seriously, I really want to know how to say this one day. And yeah, maybe this is like a new a new thing that i mispronounce, mispronounced. Boza, Boza M- Moy, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, uh, it's going to cost you two power. When this character is targeted by a physical or energy attack, it may use this superpower. Add two dice to this character's defense roll against that attack. Love, love, love the defense buff. Here, this is just wonderful. Like, I mean, he's basically got the Captain America defensive kit, which I love and which is very strong. He just can't afford it as easily.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think when you look at his entire card, the kit he's got to stay alive is amazing. It's just about where his power economy comes from. Yeah. Um, because he's either got to be dealing tons of damage or he's got to be taking damage to be able to afford to do all the things he wants. So, I do feel. Unlike Captain America where you just pay for everything all the time, you may have to be quite specific around whether you pay for the bodyguard or whether you don't and then hope that you can add some extra dice to his next time he's attacked. I I think there's more choice with Colossus than there is with Captain America.
1: Absolutely. I think a card like Advanced R&D is going to be really important to get him power early so that you can have access to these powers kind of at the right times.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So, I really like this, though. I think it's nice. Adding two dice and making him roll five energy defense or six physical defense is uh, going to be pretty potent. And when you combine it with his next innate superpower, Organic Steel, uh, this is going to be tough to take down. When this character would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one. And then lastly, he has immunity to bleed, which makes sense. So organic steel, tanky, you know, we've seen this kind of thing before, reduce it by one to a minimum of one. And here's what I see happening with Colossus, and let me see if this is what y'all would agree as well. He is going to be doing bodyguard more so than Bozy Moy. I'm going to go with that now. We're going to say that.
2: Um, Google will. So, what Bozy Moy actually means in Russian is roughly the equivalent of, oh my God. So, we can call
1: it that instead if you want. No, no. No, I'm going to butcher the Russian language <laughs> continuously. All right. No worries. Bozy Moy it is. Bozy Moy, yeah. We're just going to say that. Does it? Does Google Translate, does it like say how to say it? I think it does, actually. I can possibly get it up if you give me a second. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll keep talking while you're figuring that out. <laughs> so... John, let me ask you this. Do you see Colossus just basically tanking a ton of damage and barely getting any power back in return? Like that's kind of what I'm seeing here, especially if he's in Storm's leadership and he's far enough away from, you know, he's not within range too, so he's getting that cover like I mean, he's just going to stand there and tank a ton of damage, right?
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I see him going. Is he's he's going to kind of take all the hits for somebody that he stood next to, hopefully. He's going to be reducing it down. He's just as tanky as I'd hoped he would be, I think, when you look at adding covering if you've got him within Storm. Um, he should add a lot of kind of like different options to the X-Men as we've got at the moment. And he really is kind of the first proper tanky one that you're not too worried about sending him up towards the middle of. Everybody else at the minute, I'm a bit like, oh, they might die. Whereas yeah. Colossus, I feel very much like he's going to go, he's going to stand, he's going to reduce it, he's going to be okay.
1: And yeah. then he's probably gonna X gonna give it to you slam. <laughs> yeah. That's that's it. That X gonna give it
0: to
1: your
2: slam. I love it. So will. Um th- this is <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to sound, but Google has given me the option to hear it if you're ready for this.
1: Oh god, this is gonna be great. Let's hear it. All
2: right
1: then. Oh, moi. Oh, moi. Oh, moi. Okay. So Aaron, you were pretty bright so I'm
2: just amazing all like that. But Bo- always your boy is Bo how I moi. think it's meant to be said.
1: Okay. And I i feel like I remember him yelling that out during the cartoon a couple of times. You yeah, know? apparently
2: what it means is like, oh my God, oh my goodness, oh, oh God. So it, it basically means, you know, surprise and exclamation right. at the same time.
1: Right. I love it. I love it. It's thematic. It's cool. I, I mean, I know he says it in the comics. Like, I mean, I've. I've read enough X-Men comics over the years that this is a very common thing, but I've always just kind of, you know, like, oh, I, I know this is the thing, but I'm not going to even try to say this thing. So here we go. <laughs> you know. So thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that. Bozy boy! You know. <laughs> there it Definitely. is. Definitely. So anyways, Aaron, do you think that the typical pattern with Colossus is going to be to kind of move up and just tank a lot of damage, but not really get a ton of power back in return.
2: Yeah. So it's it's quite interesting. So the way that he's going to work, at least I think is, um, so essentially it, it looks to me like he's going to be bodyguarding and he isn't going to be taking a lot of damage. But what that also means is he's not going to be giving the opponent a lot of power. So although he's going to be quite power starved when an opponent would say need, two or three power to do a super power or a throw so they go for a model like Storm and then you go actually no you're going to hit Colossus um, I think it's equally going to power starve the opponent, don't get me wrong he, he's going to take damage, he's not completely right. invulnerable to pain but he he has got some good defensive tech so he's, he's going to be a little power starved after he's used it a few times but on the same in the same way so is your opponent if that makes sense
1: no, it does. I think it's a really interesting way to look at it. Is a slow drip of power for both parties instead yeah. of the the big burst of power that someone might want.
2: Yeah, because you know, someone hitting Storm can sort of bank on you know spiking and get and if they do spike, they're going to get a lot of power because she doesn't have that defensive tech. But somebody hitting Colossus is suddenly going to come out to a little bit of a brick wall where they right. might only get one power. Yeah, you've spent two power in order to. Take the colossus but it might be worth it. You might play out better. You might not take any damage at all, and suddenly your opponent's sat there going, "Hmm, now I don't know what to do."
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and let me just go ahead and, and say this right now: don't don't come at him with four dice physical builders. <laughs> yeah, mean,
2: it's, it's not going to work. <laughs>
1: it, it's like, look, if you're sitting there with Mystique and you need to build a little power, by all means, go for it. But don't expect good things to happen. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you, you can't reliably put down a character that's got the kind of defensive toolkit that Colossus has. Don't get me wrong. Enough dice, eventually you will kill something just because that's how dice work and exactly. the odds are in favour of the attacker. But I'd say sort of most of the time you might do one damage or you might just bounce entirely. And, and I think that that's great for Colossus. It, it really helps to protect, like I said, the more squishy models or the models that can't take a hit as well as he can.
1: Absolutely, so... I love this character. I think this is pretty cool. But now let's talk about his injured side. And we've got a couple of changes here. I'm going to quickly talk about the changes real quick. So, he has seven stamina now on his injured side. So, total stamina value is 13. I love it. I love that he goes to seven on his injured side. That means that once he's flipped, he is really hard to take out. And then, I think he also got a change to uh, Bozemoy BOZMI! Uh when defending against physical or energy attacks, this character adds blanks in its offense role to its total successes. And we've seen how successful that can be for a character like Daredevil or Um who else has that? Daredevil. It, yeah. Uh, uh the hood, as we the said hood. earlier, when you yes. when you're adding the blanks,
2: it really helps. Yeah. So I think the classic
1: example is Iron Fist. Iron Fist. He's yeah. And many studio artists. Yeah. So I, I love this. I, I think, like, I honestly, I know it would probably be too strong. I kind of wish he had this version of this on the front side.
0: <laughs> I like the fact that on his injured side, it's also innate, though. So he's not paying for that any longer.
1: Exactly. It is innate. It's just,
0: it's there and he's going to just be going, okay, let's see what happens now then.
1: Yep. So. I think all in all, I'm really uh, pleased with Colossus here. I think that he fits really well in X-Men, especially Storm X-Men. I think he's really, 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 really going to like being in a Storm-led X-Men. And I think he plays into kind of what they want to do, especially given the first class and all that stuff. Would you agree, John? Yeah,
0: I think he fits much better in Storm's X-Men. Um, mainly for that bodyguard and the defensive ability he's going to give some squishier characters um, his short move is problematic but not if he's just sticking around the outsides keeping it at a distance and bodyguarding anyway his yeah. large base is great for a place whether it's him or somebody else placing over him um, I think he adds a huge kick to Storm whereas I'm not sure he adds quite so much to Cyclops but I guess playing it on the table will be the only way to find out
1: True that. Yeah. So let's talk real quick about what affiliations we think that he could also fit well into. And I'm going to start with one. I don't know if this would necessarily be the best option, but I think he could be really cool into Criminal Syndicate just because another tanky boy for Criminal Syndicate to just sit on a point.
2: Yeah, I've I've just whispered that to John as soon as you mentioned what other affiliations, and then you've you've literally stole the words from my mouth. I think he'd be really good there. I think Criminal Syndicate could love people with his particular kind of toolkit.
1: Right, and they already have a character that is similar in terms of tankiness in Omega Red, but I think that if you're able to do like as a 12-threat core, Kingpin, Omega Red and Colossus, and you have it set up where you're bringing, like, you know, Terrigen Mist and the um, the Mayor Fisk, and you're just trying to, like, get one of those two, Crisis, out on the table every time, like, that could be insane, I think.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to be useful in there. I think counting as double-on objectives and stuff while being super tanky is exactly what Criminal Syndicate want, and I think he's going to do that very nicely for them, to be honest.
2: Yeah, the the fact that he's size three as well means he's excluded from a couple of throws and pushes that would be able to move around smaller characters.
1: Exactly, and that's the thing. Like so, like I just talked talked about that core twelve there, if you will, is all size three. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't know if that's like competitively viable per se, but it's something that I want to try on the tabletop. You know what I mean? I think it's definitely
2: um, a good shout, and it's it's definitely something to watch out for. Because Souls 3 really does shut down quite a few different interactions with pushes and throws from certain characters. Absolutely. Uh, so, as you said, I think he's going to be very well suited just, you know, taking plant and, and sitting on a point in Criminal Syndicate. And I mean, what could be more frustrating than trying to finish off Kingpin and then suddenly, you know, Colossus shouts, Bozemoi! And jumps
1: in the way. I love it. Where else, though, do we think that he could slide in? Is there anywhere else? Like, obviously, I think the the... Without question, choices would be like Avengers. Of course, you, get, you, you would want to put him in Avengers because he's going to get a benefit from their leadership, stuff like that. But where else do you think? Is there any kind of unsung spot for Colossus, do you think? The
2: two that could be quite interesting are, firstly, Brotherhood and, secondly,
0: A-Force. A-Force, I think, is a good shout.
1: Interesting. It's going to... Carry on, sorry. No, I was, I was saying interesting. I, I want to hear your thoughts on uh, brotherhood. I think makes sense because of the throw and the power and all that stuff. I think that makes a lot of sense.
2: I force just because of, uh, they have the option to play quite tall as a roster, so they have the option of, of following the route of you know, She Hulk with Scarlet Witch and then say Angela. But I think if if you look at that, although they already have a affiliated as, you know, the go-to bodyguard. Mm -hmm. I think having a a, a more tanky, beefy bodyguard that can actually take the hits would be quite strong, and I think when you look at um, when you look at Colossus' character card, the interaction between him and suffering damage is going to be roughly along the lines of he's taking one damage, or he's taking two damage, which then ultimately means you're getting more from your leadership across the game. Because the QA is great, but as she only has a pool of four health, you can only ultimately get the leadership trigger so many times because, you, you you know, you take two damage twice and she's dazed. Whereas right. with Colossus, you might take one damage, two damage, one damage, one damage, one damage, which means your leadership's triggering four times. You know, so that's, I, I think it's a little niche and it, it's not something a lot of people think about, but it is quite interesting. I think he would suit that role quite well and it would then, of course, give him the power to be doing all the things he wants to be doing
1: yeah i think that's actually a pretty solid idea like uh, that's one I'd, I'd like to see out there in the wild Oof, that'd be that'd be a nightmare like oh now uh now you've got a she-hulk bodyguard but also you've got a colossus bodyguard and oh yeah you're not yeah, going to yeah. do any damage to colossus so good luck
2: yeah it, it becomes really interesting and as i said because of the sort of why they'll interact and have that drip fred drip fed damage you'll really feel the benefit of the leadership
1: Absolutely, that's really interesting. So, uh, any other any other things about Colossus before we move on to the Raging Cajun? Oh, we've got to talk about fastball special.
0: I was going to say we can't ignore fastball special. Surely, yeah. that's the whole reason to even want Colossus at this point, right? Is it
1: but all right. So, uh, John, you want to read fastball special for us?
0: I'm more than happy to read fastball special. So, it's obviously called fastball special. It is unaffiliated and it is active. So if Colossus is within two of an allied Wolverine, both characters may spend one power to play this card. Throw the allied Wolverine medium. Wolverine does not suffer collision damage during this throw. Enemy characters that you collide with roll two fewer dodge dice and suffer the bleed special condition.
1: I love it. And Wolverine is size three, so a little extra damage coming in.
0: Yeah, I mean that one power on each character throw, for four potential damage on somebody and they're going to gain bleed yeah. is just great.
1: Alright, so does this fix Wolverine? I don't
0: think it fixes Wolverine. <laughs> um, I think it helps Wolverine um, sure. because you throw him at somebody that you then want Wolverine to try and take down during his next activation, so it probably helps him a little bit. Um, Having him run... <laughs> Wolverine several times over the last couple of weekends. Wolverine's real problem is that he just doesn't have any way to do anything with dice. And I don't think this fixes that. I think it just minimizes the amount of damage that he might have to do to finish somebody off.
1: Yeah, sorry about the dogs. Um, I'm with you there. I think that the interesting thing about this is, is it doesn't have to be Colossus's turn. Yeah. You don't have to have activated Colossus. You can just you can you don't have to decide who you're gonna activate, throw Wolverine, and then be like, oh yeah, and I'm gonna activate Wolverine and whoever I just threw him at is dead. Hopefully. Yeah.
2: I was I was just about to say I think that's when we'll see it being played a lot. Because yeah. you can almost look at it as giving Wolverine charge for the turn with yeah. some added bonuses. Because you know they're they're having to dodge the four damage um, and Wolverine is now right up in their face. So although it isn't an exact carbon copy of the charge superpower, you could argue that in some ways it's a little bit better because it's only one power for Wolverine. And, you know, you do it at the top of his turn or you do it halfway through his turn, um, you're doing that damage, and suddenly Wolverine can be taking out a character with a really high health pool just because he's had that little extra boost from the collision damage.
1: Absolutely. And, and I, I really like that idea of it. You know what I mean? And... Let me ask you this also. Do you see this as a card that is going to be played early to kind of get Wolverine to that midline or going to be held back for like a more opportune time?
0: Um, I think that's heavily Um, scenario-dependent. However, I see it being held back a little bit more. I'm personally going to wait until there's somebody that I really want to finish off or somebody that's holding a couple of extracts that I want to take down. And I think a Colossus throw of Wolverine into them followed by a Wolverine attack is probably going to get it done. Um, So I'm going to hold it out for that, I think, personally. I can see it being used to try and get you up to the middle, but I think it's probably a little bit of a waste early on, personally.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm going to go ahead and say that I think there'll be some really interesting early-term plays with this, just because if you've just deployed your models and you have, say... um, Colossus in the centre of the board so if you go with Wolverine first and this this is underneath Storm's leadership you hop him in front of Colossus that's sort of the equivalent of you know, uh, a place within two almost, depending on where Wolverine's coming from. You then throw him medium and he's covered quite a lot of distance and with still two actions left turn one combine that with first class and there might be some really interesting things you can do with you know grabbing a uh, extract and moving away with Wolverine who is relatively durable you know as a healing factor, and I think that could be very interesting to see, and it might also be a good counterplay to your opponent sending someone up the middle of the board, just because it, it is quite a lot of distance. I haven't played it out, I haven't seen it played to know exactly how much, but um, after the flip and then the throw, you'll get, you'll cover some, you'll cover some real ground, and I think it'll be quite interesting to see what that opens up.
1: So I do think that if you do the do the storm flip and get in front of Colossus that the throw medium with Wolverine gets you to where you can interact with the middle. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm I'm 95% sure.
2: That okay, that's really there. interesting,
1: man. Because
2: what that also means is, as I said, as a counterplay, if your opponents move somebody within one of that middle point, um, you'll be able to move throw Wolverine and he'll be within two of them. So you'll be able to do some attacks, which is really interesting.
1: Yeah. And I find that to be very interesting as well. And that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was asking about turn one versus not. I kind of land more on the side of of what John was talking about, using it uh, very strategically. But I do think that there is definitely some turn one interesting things that can be done here. So
0: Yeah, without a doubt. There's definitely some interesting stuff you could play with on it. Um, Depending on the middle scenario, with two actions left and first class, Wolverine could potentially interact with, like, I don't know, two Origin Bombs, for example, if he needs to. He can interact with one, move across, interact with another one. There's plenty of things you can do, but we'll see how it goes, I guess, and see how it plays out.
1: Absolutely. So, I think that this is fun and thematic, and everybody was going to be really up in arms and, uh, if they didn't have this card with Colossus.
0: Why <laughs> it on the bottom of Colossus' card if they didn't actually give it us? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm glad they gave us one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice if he could have just thrown his teammates just the whole time. <laughs> just every turn for free any teammate any teammate just take a leap thanks so now let's talk about the raging cajun and uh, we'll keep the same format let's talk about the model first so yeah i i like this model a lot i i think they they changed it up from the initial reveal where i think the the cards were coming out at a different angle but what do y'all think of this one
2: I really like it. So I'm a big fan of Gambit. I don't actually know hardly anything about him as a character, um, but I've I've seen his character a few times. I really like the whole idea of the playing cards, you know, and how that interacts with his mutant abilities. So I'm really excited to see Gambit. His mixture is very dynamic, you know. He's got both hands cast out. One of them is holding his bow staff, and the other is um, throwing out the playing cards. And I think that him and Moon Knight are going to be bow staff buddies, which, you know, is going to be great.
1: Oh, Bo Staff Buddies, for sure. I mean, that's going to be the new squad name. it has got my Bo Staff Buddies. Woo! Yeah, I'm calling it now. It's going
2: to be a thing. You'll have Colossus shouting Boz way and uh, the Bo Staff Buddies next to him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could see that happening. I definitely could. <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, John, what do you think of this model?
0: Uh, I like the model. Um, I think it's, it's nice. It's dynamic. It looks very much like Gambit. I think he's kind of... Pouncing. Is he sliding away? I can't quite tell. He looks like he might be sliding away from the kind of like little featured bit round by one of his feet as he's like planted himself to throw his cards in a bit of a nimble pose. It looks like Gambit. It feels like Gambit. The playing cards look great. I'm more than happy with this one.
1: Yeah, and Merzane was on here talking about how the cards looked like uh, that they weren't in the right order from where they were being thrown. And I actually uh, think they fixed it because it definitely looks like uh, they would... The one that's farthest from him is the one that is, uh, you know, the lowest on the little arc there, so I like that. I think it's just a really cool pose. It's a really nice, very dynamic, lots of movement implied here, and I really like that a lot. So, let's talk about his card now. So, Gambit or Reme LeBeau, uh, 5 HP
0: or health, medium move, size 2, 3 threat. He has 3 physical defense, 3 energy defense, and a three mystic defense. Um, so I don't think there's any big shocks in that top stat line. Um, there's nothing really surprising in terms of his movement, his size. He's got a standard three threat kind of defense of three-three-three across the board, which is decent. It's not horrific. It's not great. Yep. But it should do the job.
1: I kind of expected him to be a long mover, though. I'm not going to lie. I was hoping
0: for a long mover, um, but... I don't know. I think we'll see where we can get him with a medium move. Exactly. He's not quite as fast as he should be. But one of his tactics cards maybe makes up for his movement in terms of in terms of like being able to provide stealth if he's not within X Men, so that's right. a nice bonus for him, you know. Not being able to move quite so far and staying out of the way. Maybe he can just give teammates stealth and things. So they seem to have thought about it, so I'm not too upset about the medium move.
1: For sure. Solid solid basic stat line there. You know, nothing too crazy. Let's talk about his attacks, Aaron. So his
2: first attack is his uh, Signature Bow Staff. This is a range two physical attack that throws out four dice. It doesn't cost him any power to use it. And after the attack is resolved, uh, Gambit gains one power. On the roll of a world, it's got the special roll push. So if the target character is size three or less, uh, before damage is dealt, he may be pushed away from this character small. So the fact that it's size three is quite interesting. Um, it's going to let you push around characters like Colossus, who we've just been talking about. So I think that's going to be really useful. Um, it's worth noting one of his superpowers also makes this trigger a lot more reliable. Um, not to jump the gun at all, but I think it's important when talking about his attacks to take into account the fact that he can pay one power to change a hit to a world in any attack roll.
1: You know, you did jump the gun there because I was going to bring come back to that, come back to the attack when we got to superpowers. Mm. But you know what? It's okay, Aaron. You do you.
2: We can redo that bit if you want, Will. No, no, it's cool.
1: It's cool. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, Um, I was going to say, when talking about this attack, so it's a four-dice attack, and the wild push, I mean, you know, that's one of those things that I don't particularly love four-dice attacks. A wild trigger on a four-dice attack is sometimes hard to get, but Gambit, as we'll see, is a character that is reliant on his superpowers, and pretty much every... Every time you're going to do something with a gambit, you're going to want to be using some of its superpowers as well. So you mentioned uh, a little something extra. We'll jump the gun here just a little bit. And a little something extra is a reactive superpower, and it will cost you one power. After this character rolls attack dice, it may use this superpower. This character may change one hit in its attack roll to a wild. So as long as you rolled a hit with bow Staff you have access to a little something extra to get that push off if you really need it.
0: Yeah, and I think displacement effects kind of with X-Men are sh- so far between that a push on Gambit that you can pretty much guarantee is going to be more than welcome in the roster.
1: Absolutely. Just that little little element of control that they seemingly lack will be very nice. So what's next, Aaron? So his next attack is Kinetic Ice. This is a range-free, four dollars
2: physical attack that uh, costs zero power as well. And after this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. Uh, this also has a special rule, and this one is explosive. So if you roll a wall, before damage is dealt, other enemy characters, within two of the target characters, suffer one damage. Um, I just wanted to quickly talk about this as well, uh, Will, because I think this is actually a really, really, really strong attack. Just because if you come against an opponent that's got two health left on a model, Rather than targeting them, you can target the model next to them, and you know, pay to bring in the world, and suddenly you've got past any defensive tech they might have, and dies to target the original target.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I think that that's going to be incredibly interesting to see play, and I think that combined with a character like Bullseye, he's going to add some super super reliable damage output across the table. Yeah. Uh, just quick, moving on to his spender. So we've got 52 card pickup this is a range four beam attack that throws five dice. It costs four power to use, and it's got flurry of cards as a trigger on a wild. And what this is, is when making, uh, we making this attack, each wild in the attack roll counts as two successes. So this is going to have some really spiky situations where if you roll a couple of wilds, the suddenly count as four successes. I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting. As I said, to see just how this pays off, um, and how much damage you can push through using this.
1: Absolutely. And I want to take it back to Kinetic Ace real quick. And, you know, uh, I'm going to lodge just the tiniest bit of complaint that this should be physical or energy. You should be able to choose, but whatever. Uh, range 3, I like that. I like range 3. I like that it's five dice. The explosive, like you mentioned, I think that's a really interesting way to look at explosive because it's not something I've thought about before when you're looking at that trigger, but with Gambit's ability to more or less get it consistently it becomes a little bit more interesting so i like that a lot
2: yeah i think it, it, we we were just talking about colossus and if you look at colossus on his injured side for example he has four physical defense laws he's counting blanks of successes and he's reducing damage by one to a minimum of one so if he's got two health left for example he's still very hard to put down and you can't really reliably do it however what you can quite reliably do is use kinetic ice which is an explosive attack, to do that two damage, bypassing all of his defensive tech and finishing him off with an almost guaranteed uh, chance of it happening as long as you've got the power. I think it's going to be really useful. It's not going to be something that a lot of players think of at first, but I think it's the first thing I thought of and I think it's going to be super good to have.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And in terms of 52 card pickup, when I see Beam 4... With five dice for four power, that seems incredible like I think I think that this attack you're pay you're paying four power because you can do a little something extra like that's why I think this attack is costed like it is because a little something extra on each of those beams like range four beam is really strong like that the range four is really nice. that's vision. I mean we know how vision's beams can be but this one you're co- it's costing you 4 power and I feel like that it's a little bit higher of a cost than what you might normally see on an attack like this because you have to factor in a little something extra so when he rolls hits he can change those to wild so yeah he's losing a success but he's net gaining a success as well so
2: yeah I think it's important to remember you can only use a little something extra once per attack as well once per attack way.
1: Yeah. It's changing
2: one um hit to a wall. But as you said, you are you're net gaining one uh damage and you don't necessarily um you don't pay for it up front, which is the main thing. You you can choose to use it. So it's one of those situations where you know if you don't need it, great. Right? If you do need it,
0: it's amazing to have.
1: Exactly. So uh John, what do you think about his attack suite here?
0: I really like both I really like Kinetic Ace. I think they've both got good uses. As I said, the push on both staff I think will be great. Uh, The explosive on Kinetic Ace is always a nice little bonus. And the fact that it's five dice, range three, power equal to damage dealt should be nice. I'm unsold on 52 card pickup. The reason I'm unsold on 52 card pickup is the cost associated with it for the dice. Yes, being four or five dice is great. I think four power... And then potentially one power on top to change a hit to a wild is costing you five. I don't know what the odds are of rolling plenty of wilds, but if it's anything like any time I charge with Wolverine, or the best of what I do with Wolverine, I'm lucky to roll any wilds at all. And then I'm going, I've paid all that power, and I haven't really done anything with it when I could have potentially used some of his other powers. So I think it's something I'd want to play around with a lot on the tabletop first before I do anything with it but it's also one that heavily says use Cyclops, please. Yeah. Get him next to his teammates. Bring the cost of this down to maybe two, possibly one, so that he can use his superpowers as well, and then you're going to start looking at it being super devastating.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's really what we're, we're looking at here with this Gambit character is, from a design perspective, it looks like they said, look, Cyclops needs some love and Gambit really would benefit from being in a cyclops led X-Men team so that they can pass the power around to reduce this because I'm with you here like I think that this is one of those like you're putting a lot of weight on the fact that you're going to roll two wilds like that's really what it, what you're looking at here right like yeah. like I don't know the math of rolling even one wild on five dice but I know it's not great but I think that the idea is you're going to have two wilds On 52-card pickup, not including, like, even maybe doing a little something extra, right? And I think that that's where they they kind of factored in this cost, is that. And then also, to your point, I think they said, well, if you put him with Cyclops, then this becomes a lot more interesting. And I think you have to factor that kind of thing in when you're designing a character, but at the same time, what this character does is, you know... You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. I I think that is the cost, the premium cost for that is they've looked and they've gone actually if it's any cheaper, and people do run him under Cyclops, it's going to become ridiculous. Um, And it's there to incentivize it, so I'm all up for trying it when it arrives. I've tried Cyclopses a couple of times recently, I've found some scenarios where it's okay, so I think another beam under there could be useful.
1: Exactly. So. Let's now talk about his superpowers, and his first superpower is an active superpower called Accelerate Charge. It's going to cost you three power. During the next attack action, very key word there, made by this character this turn, add two dice to its attack rolls. But it's going to cost you three power. So what does this mean? That means... When he does 52-card pickup, if you are sitting on a bank of seven power, yes, this is living the dream. This is a dragon that you're going to want to chase at some point, I'm sure. But you accelerate charge at 52-card pickup. Every character under the beam, you add two dice to the attack. So you're rolling seven dice. It becomes a lot more spicy.
2: I I think this is the reason that it costs four power. Just because if you take the power cost out of this... If you look at 52 card pick-up as an attack in itself with the superpowers that Gambit has, and, and we live in a world where power isn't a problem in any sense or form, 52 card pickup, in my opinion, is absolutely insane. I think it's really, really strong just because of some of the potential spikes. On seven dice, You're not. it's not that unlikely for you to roll t- uh, a pair of wilds a couple yeah. of times. Combine that with a hit, suddenly you've gained three successes overall. It's not going to happen every time, but I think in a world where power doesn't exist, this is an attack you would be using a lot, just because the more dice you roll, the more likely it is to happen, and when it does happen, it's going to be devastating.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and I do think that that is a very fair point. Like, I mean, you know, dice are always going to dice, right? Like, you never predict what's going to happen. You just operate on the probability of it, and if you're rolling seven dice with the fifty-two card pickup yeah you're more likely than not to at least have one wild so you're automatically getting two successes instead of one there so you're doubling the successes so you know i do think that 52 card pickup accelerate charge all of this was costed as such around not getting to do the big cool super awesome thing as often as you might want to do because it could get out of hand and I could see it being a negative play experience for someone if all of a sudden they're, they're sitting there with a Colossus across the table, right? And and then you get a 52-card pickup into him and he's just blasted off the table because you rolled three wilds and, it, you know, all of a sudden. I, I think this is very much
2: a, a once or twice per game thing if you're not looking at Cy Cyclops' leadership. But I think if you set it up properly and you hit three or four characters with it, you're almost guaranteed that one of them is going to take a big hit just because you roll a couple of wilds and then change another hit to a wall on top of that. And suddenly you've got seven or eight successes.
1: Yeah. I think this is a, a, a superpower, like this combination of powers, like 52 card pickup and accelerate charge. Like that's the dream, right? You see Gambit on the table. You're like, all right, this is a possibility. So you've yeah. got to factor that in when you're going against him. Right. But at the same time, that's something that is going to be so hard right. to pull off. I think that if you see it once per game, it'll be, like, amazing, you know? But I, I don't I don't expect to see this kind of thing particularly often when I'm going up against Gambit, because I think that there's going to be enough other stuff for him to be doing. Like, I, I could see burning all of his power on a little something extra, which, which, which is his second superpower listed here. As we mentioned, spend one power to change one to a wild, change a hit to a wild. I could see you spending a lot of power on that. And then his next superpower is a reactive superpower, Enhanced Agility. It'll cost you two power. After an attack targeting this character is resolved, this character may use this superpower. The attacking character suffers one damage. This character may advance away from the attacking character short. So, a really nice superpower. We've seen this before on a character like Bullseye. Uh, I could see you spending more power on this than, you, than yeah. trying to save up power for 52-card pickup with Accelerate Charge, you know?
0: I agree. I think this one's solid. I think you're going to have those points that you get in every game where your opponent wants to activate a character because they've only got one, maybe two health left before they get dazed. They put an attack into somebody like Gambit, and you go, well, he's not dead, so there's your one damage. you kind of down halfway through your activation, and I may or may not move short, depending on whether I need to. Exactly. Um, it, it's such a nice ability
1: it is and it's one of those where it's like he's only got 5 health and his defenses are threes across the board so like he's he's vulnerable to the one shot cuz he doesn't have any real defensive tech but i think that he's one that if he does survive kind of a hit from someone being able to put that damage back into them get out of harm's way and then save up for for other fun things is going to be is going to be really nice and all in all, like that's his, nothing changes on his injured side either, by the way. So I'm going to go ahead and say that. But all in all here, like this is a really interesting character that I think is kind of wants to be super damage dealer, but also like doesn't. It's weird. I think the place that
2: Gambit is going to really excel might just be old school Cabal. Just because the extra power gain is really good. But another thing I don't think a lot of people will think of is we've just talked about enhanced agility. Oh, yeah. How annoying would it be if you target Red Skull with a model and then Red Skull goes, no, you know what? Gambit's going to take the hit instead. And suddenly you've done a couple damage to Gambit and Gambit goes, yeah, take one damage you've just died. It's a really small niche situation, but I think that also adds to just how at home he's going to feel with that affiliation.
1: Oh, no, I think that uh, that's really nice. And then you know with the amount of damage that he can potentially do you know kinetic ace 52 card pickup i think old school cabal is definitely um it's interesting and and in terms of x-men like we've we've sit here and we've talked about the cyclops leadership and i think that that's definitely where you're going to want to put gambit more often than not and it opens up some play there for cyclops's leadership which Let's go ahead and talk about what Cyclops' leadership is because it's something that we never discuss. So (laughs) Cyclops' leadership says, Once per turn, when an allied character declares an attack action, but before it chooses an attack to use, any number of allied characters within range 3 of the attacking character may spend one power. For each power spent this way, reduce the power cost of the attacking character's attacks by one to a minimum of a one for this attack action. So basically, if he's within three of his buddies, they can each spend one power, and he can reduce it down. So, like, put him next to, or I say next to, within three of someone like a Beast, this is pretty interesting, I think. Because beasts should have power for days.
0: Yeah, and no, I think that's where it starts to come off, and there are other scenarios like, I mean, I faced Brotherhood recently on Gamma Wave, and just I avoided Storm, ran Cyclops, activated him last. So with first class at the end of turn one, he's moved up to in front of my objective, and then he's just been able to beam instantly. And I think there are options with Gambit where that's also going to be the same. So you've got the beam four, you've got the beam five. If you can all contribute towards Gambit with a bit of advanced R&D, you might even be able to add some extra dice into that attack at the start. So you're looking at being able to do that from turn one and then potentially again at the start of turn two, there are some really nice options with it, scenario dependent. It's just going to be whether Cyclops' leadership is still worth it or not. Does Gambit on his own, and potentially Wolverine, maybe if you want to start bringing the cost of his spender down, make it worth it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a big question to ask, and it's one that is really only going to come from time on the tabletop. And, you know, Gambit's another character that I think. He really benefits from X-Men so much because, again, in Storm, you know he's one that he's got a low health pool, like I just mentioned. Changing a die to cover is going to really benefit him. And then, again, boom, you're popping off enhanced agility. They're taking a damage. You're moving shorts, which could get you some interesting objective play as well. So there's a lot going on here with this character that is interesting, but I don't see exactly where he's going to fit. You know what I mean? Like, is he like a mobile assassin?y Like, I don't think he's an assassin because he doesn't have the damage ramp that I think some of these other characters have in the game. Like, turning kinetic ace into seven dice with accelerate charge sounds really great. And what I could see happening more often than not is you're just doing that most of the game. Like, I think that trying to trying to live for the fifty two card pickup would be wonderful. But moving around the board, setting up kinetic aces that are boosted by accelerate charge, rolling seven dice on that, and it's power equal to damage dealt, you know, you're likely to get back three power, give or take, depending. Yeah, I think it's definitely a
2: good uh, getting back what you put in, and I think, as I've said already, the strength of kinetic ice is explosive, because it's going to really punish any team that clumps together or even you know, a team that goes wide and just happens to have three models stood next to each other purely because, you know, you look at action economy, you look what you get out of um, each action that you do and damaging three models for one action is great. Even if it is just one damage. Um, as you said, when you get power back for the damage you deal, I think you are going to have a situation like we have with new Iron Man, where suddenly the superpower pays for itself because you throw that out on his builder and suddenly his builder gives you the power back.
1: Exactly, And, and I think that's okay. And I think that that's kind of what I would see Gambit doing more often: is, is move attack, move attack, move attack. I think yeah. living the dream of double tapping with kinetic charge or with accelerate charges, kinetic ace, or or getting the fifty two card pickup with accelerate charge, like those things are, are going to be great when they happen. But I think Gambit is is the kind of character, much like he is in the comics and in. The cartoon back in the day, you know, stick and move type character. And I think that that's what we're going to see here is what I'm seeing yeah. right now.
0: Yeah, I think he's very much a mobile turret. Um, he's got some tactics cards and stuff that may help him out in terms of power and living the dream. Um, so Charming Thief that he comes with is going to be an exceptionally nice card to play if you're looking to ramp up some power. Um, so it is a reactive card, but it can be played during the power phase. And then any time an enemy character within four of Gambit uses an active superpower or reactive superpower, Gambit manages to gain a power. So he's going to have other ways to maybe gain it so you can try and live the dream. Yeah. But I do think he's just going to move around and he's just going to be changing dice. I think that's the way he's going to be going. And then he's going to be guaranteeing one damage and hopping
1: off somewhere else. Absolutely. And yeah, so basically Charming Thief gives him the soul gem for a turn. (laughs) Love it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it now as well because um, it's definitely something I'm planning on doing. I think Gambit has a slot in my roster. Um, I'm going to be trying him as soon as I get the chance.
1: Yeah, I think he's really interesting in Web Warriors. I think giving him that extra defense role is going to be really nice. I think the little bit of chip damage he's going to have access to and then the damage ramp potential also. Very interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm very tempted to try him in X-Force. I know X-Force aren't great, but I think you've got some shenanigans there where you go out turn one, you do what you need to do with objectives. You then play pretty sneaky sis. So you can't attack me unless you're within two. And then on the next turn, you play Gambit's card because he's not in Uncanny X-Men and everybody else gains stealth again. And you're in turn three and you're going, well, how are you going to manage to hit some of my characters right now? Because we're backing off. We've got objectives. You're going to have to waste a lot of action economy moving just to get in range. I think that's going to be annoying. Whether it plays out and works well, I don't know, but it's definitely worth a shot.
1: Yeah, and you're referring to Dark Past, which is um, if you're not using the Uncanny X-Men affiliation, Gambit can play this card for free, and every character within within range three of Gambit gains stealth. So, very nice. Yep.
2: I think there might be an um, X-Force build <laughs> that orientates around having Cybertooth and Venom <laughs> using pretty sneaky sis and Dark Past. Because it means you've got to come in if you want to hit these guys and they're going to hit you back.
1: Yeah. Oh, that sounds nasty. That sounds nasty. I love it. But I like, I like the, the X-Force play there with Gambit. And outside of X-Men, and I mean, everyone's a web warrior, let's be honest. <laughs> you know uh so other than those i don't really see anywhere else particularly like we said cabal you know i think he wouldn't mind being in avengers you know he's cheap enough where i think avengers like a, a sam avengers could be interesting
2: you know yeah i mean having the enhanced agility for one uh not ignore me sorry i'm thinking of steve Avengers. Yeah, he, he he'd fill a nice role in uh, Sam's fam just purely because, you know, if one of his friends gets staged, he's going to be able to move up into a position where he might be able to double tap, which is going to be really useful. And just quickly, because I'd already started on it, in, in Steve Venges, he might be a li- uh, quite interesting just because he uses enhanced agility for one power. Yeah, and you know, he add two extra dice for two power, which yeah, might an interesting mechanic.
1: And that's where I'm at with it is like I think I think both have the interesting play. I think in in Sam it's a little different, but in Steve also. Very interesting play there. So, yeah. That's Gambit. I think,
2: as we said with Colossus as well, it's a bit of a random one, but maybe Gambit in Eye force You know, surrounded by all the women, that might be where you know, Gambit wants Gambit to be wants anyway. Gambit wants to be there. Do you know yeah, what I mean? he's and definitely going to want to be there. Quite well. <laughs> he is the charming thief, after all. Exactly. So I think he, he might genuinely fit in that team quite well, just because all that power is going to really open up some different
1: players absolutely no i like it i think that's interesting and i think that gambit's one of those characters that we don't see very often where it's like explicitly written on the card what exactly he's going to be doing on the tabletop you know what i mean
2: i think he's almost similar to the hood in a way in that he's got lots of very interesting different things and it's going to take a little while just to figure out exactly where he fits
1: yeah i think that's exactly right it's exactly right and Speaking of where things fit, I think we have definitely rambled on for long enough today. And gentlemen, I want to say I really appreciate uh, you guys coming on. And to anyone out there listening, if you enjoy what you hear here, you can check us out and support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com/housepartyprotocol. It's a dollar a month, so twelve bucks a year to come and hang out on our Discord channel, and you just uh, support the show. So your support for the show and let me tell you, it is greatly, 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 greatly appreciated, and I um, I, I can't express my gratitude to all the patrons over there, and to uh, all the fun conversations that we get to have and everything. And and right now, I'm actually doing like a kind of a patron only giveaway thing. I'm giving away a uh, hobby go bag from. Monument hobbies to uh, one of the patrons over there. And then I'm also going to do a giveaway. That's for US only, but I've also got something I'm going to do for uh, our friends across the pond, as you guys like to say. So uh, yeah, I'll be posting that in the Discord here very soon. So uh, come and check us out. Support us that way if you want. Uh, otherwise, just send us messages. Uh, I always love interacting on the social medias on Facebook, House Party Protocol podcast over there, or, um, you know, uh, on the discords and the other discord channels i'm i'm in those channels you know i present uh, i lurk more than anything but you know it is what it is uh but you can send us messages on facebook send us emails housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com and uh be on the lookout for our next big giveaway that we're going to be doing here uh, kind of after the first of the year once the holidays have all settled down and everything so be ready for that and uh, aaron where can people find you so
2: People can find me over at webwarriorprotocols.com. I'm also on Facebook under Web Warrior Protocols, um, Twitter, I'm pretty sure it's Web Warrior Protocols, and then I'm on a couple of other social media platforms under the 14th Legion. So you can find me on any of those. And as Will said, uh, please check out his Patreon and have a look at joining the Discord. Both myself and John are both on there. So if you ever have any questions for either of us as well, you can find us on there as well as some of the other social media accounts where you can just shoot us a message if you have any questions about anything we've talked about or discussed
1: absolutely john uh other than our discord are you just lurking out there in the wilderness
0: yeah other than your discord i'm kind of lurking around i've got stealth i'm kind of outside of range three you'll be lucky if you can find me Uh, your discord is probably the best place to reach out to me
1: cool love it well uh gentlemen uh, any final words for uh for today's show i think we covered a lot of ground today it was a really good show
2: yeah we've covered everything i just want to quickly say thanks to boarding brum which is the sponsor from our website and they let us uh come in and use their facilities to record uh our episodes with you each month which is really helpful
1: yeah excellent love those guys i don't know those guys but i love those guys because this is definitely helpful <laughs> <laughs> cool well uh party on aaron
0: uh party on will
1: party on john
0: Party on well, and Merry Christmas if we don't speak. Indeed.
1: Before. Absolutely, yeah. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone out there.
0: Happy Holidays and Boze Moy to everyone.
1: Boze Moy? Yes. Love it. <laughs> and Power <laughs> Down Suits.